Hello, you incredible human beings. I've got Benny Slaw coming on with me for this podcast. And the reason why I invited Benny on is because he's one of the coolest clients we've ever had. Like, as you can probably tell from the number of cool clients I have on here, we have a lot of cool clients. But Benny is a genuine legend. And, and, and the reason why you should listen to Benny is because he's done some cool stuff. Like, first of all, uh, he lives in down in Tasmania, all the way down south, and it's a little bit chilly down there. And one year, Benny realized that there are a lot of people in Tassie who are going cold, and he was worried that a lot of people who didn't have money, who were elderly uh, and whatnot, wouldn't be able to look after themselves through the winter. So Benny takes it upon himself to cut up a metric shitload of firewood and deliver it around to all of those people in need. He didn't want anything from it. He got media recognition from it. He didn't even want that. He's just a really genuine bloke. That, that describes the type of person that Benny is. On top of that too, when Benny came to us so from, from where he was when he started to where he is now, he is a totally different person. He is conquering life every single day in every single way. And it is immense pleasure of mine to, to be able to say that Benny's a part of our crew. He's a part of our tribe. He's a leader within the JCF community. And we're really, really blessed to have him. Uh, if you uh, want to learn about leadership, if you want to learn how to up-level, if you want to learn how to be totally determined and un- deterred by, by, by the fear of failure, listen to Benny Slaw, listen to this interview because I think that you'll get a lot from it. I hope you enjoy it. Here he is. Hey, legend, how are you? Hey, good. Uh, I like that shirt. Where'd you get it? Oh, man, just hooked up with these cool dudes over in Queensland, eh? Yeah? yeah went over to do a bit of personal wealth and health retreat. Yeah, and to be honest, it's uh, I like the colour, and um, I don't have any silicon or glue on it yet. <laughs> yeah, so that's a bonus, man. Wait, it's like your dress shirt now. Yeah, man, I'll wear this everywhere to church and all. <laughs> Starting a new freaking craze. Hundred percent, man. Right, yeah. By the way, are you cool if we just dive straight in because it's already recording? Right, go for it. Go Do for that. It. And also, thanks for coming on, bro. Because um, I was. I was super keen to get you on. It was actually weird that I hadn't, we haven't got you on earlier. Um, but I was really keen to get you on and go through your story. Um, cause you've done a heap of cool stuff. And like in the intro to this, I, I told the guys, um, and they'll say it like when, when, when they, when they're viewing the recording, I mentioned how a couple of years back you chopped up all that firewood and you went around and you gave it to a heap of people. Can you run us through what you did there? Yeah, well, it's just, um, I was just up the top block here where I live in Dysart and it was, I think it was April 2020 and it was freezing, man. I was like, I'm used to the cold. But I said to the guy that was near, I said, fucking hell, it's cold. He said, yeah, it's freezing. I said, imagine how many kids out there and old people that are just looking at their wood eaters and they're freezing their ass off because they've got no wood or they're cold and they've got no money. You know, and I thought, geez, we've got enough wood up here. So I just put a post up on Facebook and said, you know, this was COVID, so we wasn't really allowed to go anywhere. It wasn't allowed to do much, you know, just essential. It was right at the beginning of COVID. And um, I put this post up on Facebook and heaps of people just reached out and, like, it was kind of, it was a little bit overwhelming, actually. And so I started Sorry, just because of the, the, the volume of people. Yeah, and the amount of attention that it got, I was really not, I didn't, I don't like attention that much. Hey, like, so I was like, fucking hell. I had people, chicks sending me messages saying, oh, you're such a nice guy and you've got I a bet nice- you hated that. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't, really, I wasn't really into it and that. And like, it's a tough life, man. Yeah. We, we need to get you one of those sticks to like fend them off. <laughs> yeah, well, I need one now. That's for sure. Yeah, and it just it just went ballistic. Next thing you know, I had um, radio stations calling me up, and I think it got into the paper or some shit. And then Yahoo Australia featured it on their thing, and I'm like, oh god, this is crazy. But what en- what we ended up doing in the end, I ended up um, just giving away seventy ton of firewood. So I'd load up. Yeah, it was a fair bit, and it was hard getting firewood too because we had to split it with the log splitter and stuff. But I kind of just treated it like exercise. And the people, some of the people was just so appreciative, low socioeconomic stuff. You know, I was going down into some areas in Hobart that just like there's no money there and it's all sort of government housing and stuff like that. And one lady in particular, she said, um, she said, oh, it's great. My adopted 
the son here sort of adopted her off the, the son of her daughter or whatever and there was a bit of a different sort of situation and he said she said oh he loves to get warm before he goes and plays football so it was just a nice thing to do and um something that i'll probably continue doing in the future too really have, yeah. have you done it since yeah well we continued to give it away after the 70 ton that we've given away and then um i hadn't sort of done anything this year but I kind of give away all the firewood that I had in the in the spots to get, but I've got a gorge chocker block full of it just just down the hill. It just requires a little bit more time to dig it down there and get it. And I bought myself a backhoe so I can go down there. And we're actually going to Tess and I are going to set up a a page so people can donate and pay forward for firewood and stuff like that. And what I did find though was there's lots of people that had like they could afford twenty dollars a week or forty dollars or fifty dollars a week. But they couldn't come up with, you know, 150 bucks in a week to buy a ton of firewood. So I said, Tess and I, we've been discussing it. And we said, well, why don't we just set up an afterpay system? And we go and cut a heap of wood. We get other people to cut the wood as well, deliver it around to these people that can afford to pay $20 or $30 a week, and they can just pay it off on tick. So that's something I'll do in the future and give it away as well. Like, you know, like I've got plenty of wood and there's plenty of other people out there that can get wood or they've got access to properties that do have it. So maybe some other people will catch on and start being a bit more kind and stop worrying about the money so much and more so the kids and the older people and the, the disadvantaged that could use a good warm-up. Yeah, totally. You've done a, a lot of cool stuff like that and, and I'd love to go through a bit more of it. I mean, you also do – you're, you're, well, you're a, a builder by trade, is that right? Yeah, builder joiner. And, and then you started studying to become, oh, you're an Emmet practitioner now. Oh. Yeah, I'm up into the expert practitioner levels now. So, yeah. Can you run through what Emmet is and, and why you decided to go down that path? Oh, man, I was competing in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu tournaments and I was I was fat and unfit and I just was dominating that. Like I was winning Pan Pacific Championships and, you know, it was going all right. But I was getting sore all the time and I was spending heaps of money on a chiropractor, osteopath, physiotherapist, acupuncturist. That was one that actually worked. But I was getting a, a very small result for a short period of time. Mm. And I was like, wow, this is costing a lot of money. They're getting me right for a week or so and and then it's just not, you know, the pain's coming back or those difficult spots and I couldn't really perform at the optimum level that I was what I wanted to be at. So one of my mates, he's a boxer, he said, why don't you go and see Stefan? And I said, what does Stefan do? He said, Stefan just pokes with his fingers and shit like that. I'm like, oh, yeah, this sounds so right. good. <laughs> 45 bucks, you beauty. So I went and seen Stefan and no shit, within about <clears throat> five minutes, he, he, he'd done some work on the psoas minor and major muscle. So he was working through on either side of the navel and in the 12th rib location on the back. And, um, I just started spinning out like I, I said, fuck, man, what are you doing? I was like, I was quite, I was fairly religious at the time. I was, you know, I was right into the scriptures and stuff like that. And I thought, you know, this is energy work. This is, I don't know whether I like this too much, you know, like there's could be some nasty shit going on here. And I said, what is this? There's not a voodoo or anything like that. And he said, no, nah, no, nah, it's nothing to do with voodoo, man. This is, this, it's, this is just a clean, straight body therapy. And then, I started rocking backwards and forwards and it felt like I'd taken ecstasy. I was like really euphoric and my, my head was just spinning and I was like, wow, this is fucking insane. And then I started drilling him about the spiritual side of it and he stopped me and said, what's your shoulder feel like though? And I really couldn't, I couldn't get it past, you know, a little bit past 90 degrees beforehand and within five minutes he'd fixed it. And I'm like, far out, man. If you can do this next week when I come back, I want to learn this. And he said, no, you won't have to come back next week. And sure enough, I didn't have to go back next week, but I still did. So I went back the next week and he started talking about the stuff in my lower back. And I'm like, mm, how do you know I've got something going on in my lower back? He said, no, I can tell. I'm like, all right, no worries. And he started talking about things and then we started delving into, you know, some grief that I, I experienced when my brother died when I was 15. And he just unlocked all that stuff. Next thing you know, I'm just bawling my eyes out, standing there and fucking sobbing. I'm like, wow. And he released all this emotional pain that was stored up in the lower back. And I'm like, wow. Mm. 
So I pestered the shit out of um, Ross Emmett, <clears throat> the guy that developed it, and another fellow named Tim Donoghue who trained me. And it wasn't really back then, like it wasn't fully open for everyone to just go and go and do. You sort of had to have a different modality and they liked you to be a masseuse, you know, a masseuse or a bone therapist or something like that. But then they sort of said, no, well, you're perfect for it because you haven't been tainted by any other modalities. And I went, all right, cool. And then I dove straight into it and I was lucky enough to have five people that, at my home. So I practised on them. So for 21 days after I'd, I'd do a training session, I'd do a treatment on each of the people that was at my home every day just to practice it and just reinforce it. Then bikes on the building sites, I was fixing their backs and I was fixing their knees and I got really good at looking at people's bodies and just observing their movements and their pain triggers. And then I sort of dove into a, a bit deeper and, yeah, I ended up going right through. I'm only about four away from four modules away from completing or three modules away from completing all that you can ever learn in it. So, but I've done, look, I've done over 3,000 treatments. I, what I did was to, to really hone on that skill. I treated everyone for free and then I got up to 868 treatments and I went, oh, fuck. They were bringing their 13-year-old sons and daughters and, you know, I'd fix the mum and then she'd bring her mum and then they'd bring their daughters and, and sons and, it's like, well, really, I probably should start making something out of this, a living out of this. So I'm investing a lot of time into it. And um, it's still a, a big passion of mine. Like I fixed the oldest dude that I've ever fixed up, he was 85 years old. And then I went away. I'd done three treatments on him within three weeks and nailed it. And then I went away for five weeks. So I got stuck in Victoria. Come back from Victoria and I rang him up and I said, oh, Henry, gee, I'm really sorry, man. I'd, I'd been stuck in Victoria. And he said, don't, I'm really sorry, Ben. I'm like, oh, shit, what's going on? So I don't need to see you again, mate. Whatever you've done to me last time, you fixed me. And he was going to lots of different other people. So I love doing that. It's a pretty cool thing to do. It's sort of a, it, what do you, you work on your neurotransmitters, uh, sorry, neuroreceptors. So there's all these little receptors for your, your brain to communicate with your muscles and and your limbs for you to be able to move and they, they need a little receptor in there. There's little receptors just under the face for the skin. So, and in, in muscle creases, so you just hold them super, super light pressure. And the other thing I really liked about it, I didn't have to do too much work, man. I can fix someone in 15 minutes and I don't have to rub them and do all this. It's not invasive of their private space unless we've got to deal with some stuff in the gracilis or, you know, hamstrings are a bit of a funny spot to release. Yeah. Um, and it's really good for all body sizes and whether most of my clients are women, menopausal, premenopausal, going through menopausal or, or postmenopausal. So we do a lot of lymphatic drainage work as well. Um, that's really cool stuff. I, Marcus, oh, lymphatic system is exciting. That's like the, the next big thing. I think that as we start exploring more and more and learning more about it, it's going to be a game changer. Yeah, for sure. Well, just for the results, that I would have done at least 300 lymphatic drainages by now and the results that I've seen people afterwards, I've, like I had a lady that I'd done down the Falls Festival. So we set up a camp down at the Falls Festival, go and work down there every year when it was on in Tassie and um, I'd set up a table and have this wicked sort of camp zone. We've got this, it's called the Tone Zone after Tone because he comes down there. And before we even worked there, Tony and I used to just go down there and we'd go down on the 26th of December. It wasn't even, the festival site wasn't even open, man. We'd just go down there and we'd party before the festival and then stay stay down there to the second. Everyone's gone and you just watch it all evolve. But anyway, we set up a massive campsite with Persian rugs and couches and, you know, cook down there, take our dogs and all sorts of shit. But um, this lady was there and she was all puffy in the face, super fit, super athletic, vegetarian, really, really nice woman, beautiful to look at, just got into menopause and she said, oh, Benny, I've just gotten all puffy in the face and returning fluid. I said, would you like me to do a lymphatic drainage on you? She said, yeah, that would be fantastic. So I did the lymphatic drainage and about, I don't know, 40 minutes later, she said, oh, I'm feeling a bit sick and I did warn her that she could purge from it. So I walked over away from the campsite a bit and sat down the grass and had a chat and cuddle. And next thing you know, she's purged. And then about five minutes after purging, she just went, wow, I feel heaps better. And all the fluid had gone from her face and her limbs and stuff like that. It was 
and she was showing and then growing, man. It was it was really incredible. I'm like, fuck, I'm hooked on these. That's a game changer, man. That lymphatic stuff's unreal. I did a heat recently with my acupuncturist up here. I got a really, really good one. Uh, very fortunate to find a good one. It's like you feel like shit at the start of the drainage stuff, but then eventually as you clear that crap out, it's it's insane how much leaner you look, how much better you feel, how much more energetic you are. It's it's nuts. It's unreal. But so yeah, so you're a healer heat. yourself, right? And so why did you reach out to, to us? Why why did you what because I remember our chat a few years ago now. Why did yeah. you decide to reach out? Um it was on the 9th of February, actually. You called me on the 9th of February 2020. Yeah. That's when you give me calls down at it, looking at a job for a hairdresser that she's just the most one of the most beautiful people on the planet. And I've known her all my life, you know. She's and then you called and I'm like, well, I just wanted to better myself a bit, you know. And I'd I'd started to get a little bit more health aware and health conscious and and I've seen you on the on Facebook and just the way that you talked, just like, man, I can relate to this dude. And you started talking about testosterone. And I had a real I had a feeling that my testosterone levels were low. And I thought, why why? What feeling did you have? Oh, I just wasn't feeling Oh, my mojo wasn't really running that well. And I just, well, I'm super sexual. So it wasn't that. It was more so that my energy levels, I just didn't feel like a man. I couldn't burn fat very well. You know, the fat I just could could create fat, but I just couldn't get rid of it. I'm like, this is bullshit. And I'd always thought, ah, oh, it's just in my genes and all this sort of stuff. And I started reading books like Dr. Joe Dispenza books and stuff like that. And I thought, oh, no, hang on a minute. This ain't in my genes. It doesn't have to be there at all. I can. I can completely make a different outcome to my life than what my family's gone through. Mm. And um, my old man, he, he was a massive human but super athletic. He'd swim three kilometres a day. He's fucking – he was an inspirational human being. Like he's um, a machine. They don't call him Bear for no reason. Like he was a mountain of a man but he, he could run 50 metres in the so fast and smash on the football field you'd, you'd break your bones. So – We've always been athletic, but we've always been large too. And and then my grandmother died of a heart attack. My, my grandfather died of a heart attack. My father's had a heart attack. My uncle Barry, who's dad's brother, he had a heart attack. And I thought, fuck, I don't want to have a heart attack. There's no reason I need to have a heart attack. So I wanted to, yeah, just get into the most optimal mental and physical health and sort of, yeah, be... um. Learn some new stuff. Like I didn't know much about health. Like I was competing in in sports and and winning and and you know having a real good crack. But I thought, oh, I can be better than this, man. It has to be easier. It was fucking hard. Like this has to be easier. There must be some hacks and stuff like that. And then I, I, I caught a couple of your videos, and I liked the fact that you didn't hold back and you didn't bullshit. There was no, you know, and you didn't give a fuck if you said fuck. I'm like, yeah, this dude's a legend. <laughs> Swearing on Facebook and getting away with it. I love it. Dude, you'd be amazed at how many people want to sign up to our program because I swear profusely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, well, I'm the, my grandfather was the wolfy mate, so I swear. Yeah, <laughs> I know? grew up in the mines. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so, okay, yeah. so then when, when you started with us, like what was, and obviously you've been with us for a while now, um, what was your experience like? Because you're working with Christian, obviously. What, what was your experience like with him? First of all, I was a little bit reluctant. I was like, fuck, I signed up at JCF for James Kent. Like, what's going on? And then got to know Christian and I, I sort of – and he's a no-bullshit guy either. Like, because of my lifestyle and the way I am, I'm flat out, you know, I'm busy all the time. And I, I missed a few calls and he's and he actually pulled me, put me in check over that. And I'm like, fuck, man, not many people do that to me. I'm like, all right. Sorry, Christian, I'm going to make this time. I've got this time out now and you've got my attention. I'm really sorry about that and I value your time. So here we are. We've become really great mates. Not only that, he keeps me in check too. Like I got a call with him at 6 o'clock tonight and we kind of done it at 6 o'clock tonight so he doesn't have to go to another call because we'll probably talk for a couple of hours. And um, when I got dialed in, well, now I've been dialed in with the with the program, man, I'm at 90, I'm fluctuating now at 90 kilos and fucking muscles are just popping out of me. Like I'm getting really, really, I'm really fit. And 
I sleep well, digestive system's in check. I do all the supplements, ma'am. My partner had COVID. I brushed my teeth with her toothbrush accidentally when she was in the middle of this COVID thing and I thought, oh, I picked up the electric brush and cleaned my teeth. Then I looked down and I went, oh, that's my electric brush there. Fuck. And I thought, oh, no. Well, anyway, I'm not going to get this shit. I didn't catch COVID. Hmm. And I've been surrounded by one of my um, ex-employees. He had COVID, didn't get it. My old man got it. Next-door neighbours got it. I was spending time there with them. Didn't get it. It's like, well, whatever we're doing, well, whatever I'm doing, and I do the program pretty well, it's working. I'm fit. I'm losing weight. I'm still losing weight. I'm actually growing muscles that I didn't. I can actually flex my chest in the mirror. I was checking it out the other morning. Tess said, what are you fucking doing? I said, check this out. And I was popping my titties up and down. And, like, one thing when I was young, right, I always had man boobs. And I was, like, I was really self-conscious of it. And um, I was a champion swimmer, but I didn't want to get my gear off to go in the pool to swim, which was shit because I was like, I've thrashed these people here in this fucking competition. But... I was really self-conscious about having having man boobs. And when I was, you know, 14, 15, 16, I was boxing as well. And I'd be at the weigh-in, you got to strip off your clothes. I'm checking these guys out that I'm fighting and they're ripped. And my man always said, don't worry about them, mate. Don't, don't you fucking worry about them. You'll smash these boys. They've just got muscles. That'll just suck all their oxygen out of them. Don't you worry about them, Ben. You don't have to be ripped to win. And I didn't, but I thought, fuck, it would be nice. <laughs> yeah, could have been really nice. It's, it's much nicer to be shredded than fat, right? <laughs> oh, shit, yeah, man. Like when I first signed up with you guys, I was 114. I was fluctuating between 114, 118 kilos, right, and still pushing myself hard. So, so 114 to 118 kilos, and now you're down in the 90s. Oh yeah, I'm at ninety. I'm at ninety-one kilo. I fluctuate between ninety and ninety-two kilos at the how, moment. How do you feel with that much? That's a lot of weight to lose. How, how different do you feel? Really good. I do my shoelaces up in the morning. I don't have to fucking breathe out. Yeah. So it's really good. Right. You so know, I've like, got that problem at the moment. I've got to do her shoelaces up all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's she's, a different she's story. not fat. She's pregnant. <laughs> there's, there's two of them there, man. Oh, she's doing great. What a marvelous thing. Um How's it feel? It feels awesome. It really feels awesome. And the inflammation come out of the body as well, too. Sort of. What do you notice yeah, there I, when you say inflammation coming out of your body? Well, I've noticed that I'm nowhere near as sore. I'm actually a bit sore at the moment because I've been working hard. Like I've jumped back on the tools to keep my skills sharp because I'm uh, currently building a couple more golden gooses, as, as you know about oh, the man. golden goose. I'm going to have a flock of them for well, probably the next three months. I reckon I'll have a few. What are you doing? I'm pimping out a house that I built from a dream. Like I woke up from this dream about five or six years ago. What's well, actually funny, when I was 21, I bought this place in Claremont and I used to stand out the back of that place there and I'd look up into the hills and up on the hill there was blocks of land that no one was building houses on them because they were tricky blocks of land to build houses on. And I thought, and I said to a few people back then, I said, I'm going to build a house up there one day. That's going to set me up. I'm going to build a house up there. And within about two years, I bought a block up there. And I, before I built the, bought the block, I had this dream. I was living in this place and I woke up and I was designing houses for a guy at the time, sort of really ultra energy efficient, eco-sustainable houses. We won the best project home in Smart Award in 2013. He took all the credit for it, but it was all my work, which I didn't care. It was like, oh, well, you can have the attention. And... Um, so I was building, I was designing all these wicked homes and learned all this cool shit. I was getting paid to make mistakes. It was fucking great. And I learned all these these cool things about energy efficient designs. And I've got about, I've probably got a black belt in construction, I reckon, and engineering. So I adopted all these different things. And then they started flying me over to do presentations to professors and the head of the Swiss Solar Institute in Canberra and all this sort of shit. But anyway, I built this, I had this dream. And I drew the plan up and then I went to the people that uh, own the house, uh, own the blocks, and they were good friends of my family for ever since I was like 13 and good mates with dad. And I said to them, do I want to buy that block up there and I don't have the dough? 
And I said, that's all right. We'll just give it to you and you can just pay us off in cash when you, when you get that fucking money for your house. So I went, sweet. So I bought the block and the design was pretty out there. It was like 8.5 metre high concrete panels and the biggest one's three. 3.1 metres wide by 8.5 high. And the engineer said, you can't do this. And I said, why not? It's it's going to stand up. It's going to do all the things that it needs to do structurally. So there's no way you can get those panels over the edge of that fucking bank. I went, well, you just tick off the box and I'll get it done. So I've done it. And during the course of the build, though, man, there was some interesting happens. I went through about four different relationships and, you know, I was bringing up different kids and spent a lot of time doing a lot of shit for other people. So it, it stalled and started and, uh, you know, got it finished now and I'm just um, testing and I pimping that out. It's a pretty cool house. It's uh, got sensational views and it's just a, along the road from Mona and it's a really out there sort of design. It's probably, I think it's about a nine-star energy-efficient home. So it, it, it maintains about... 15 to 16 degrees all year round without any heating or cooling, provided that you put the blinds up and down so you can stop the sun coming in when it's getting too hot. So um, Tess and I have just been cruising around. I was going to sell it before I come to the abundant thing, the the abundant session. And after listening to Grant, I went, ah, fuck this, I ain't selling. I, I, I was coming back on the Monday, I had a doctor's appointment, and then I was going to the house to meet this lady there and I'm pretty sure she was going to buy it so I sent her a message when I got on the plane Whitey and I got on the plane and we got delayed in Sydney sitting on the plane for an hour and a half before it took off and I just sent her a message said nah sorry the house is not for for, for sale now sorry if there's been any inconvenience and we've been cruising around buying all this old school art deco retro furniture that's sort of one-off stuff you can't really I could make it, but it'd take a long time and it'd cost a lot of money. We've been cruising around this week and last week and and um, picking up all the furnishings for it. And I'm going down there tomorrow to um, weld up these steel panels, like to let them go rusty. So that's a big screen. And that's going to be a golden goose. So we've punched the numbers on that and I've got the second bus. I've been collecting more materials for that. And that's your, the, 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 the bus, the, the Airbnb bus. Yeah, the Huntington Tear Forest. You guys fun. are dominating with that, man. Yeah, man. That's that's we've got someone staying down there now. They're in for the next four nights or something. I think we've had a hundred percent occupancy since November last year. And we only opened in August. It's just got a really good vibe about it. And everything's you know, custom made. And and the materials that we use, like some of the stuff I've been collecting since I was in my early twenties, and some of the, you know, the timbers are from a hundred and eighty year old place in um, battery point. And I think that having materials and using them like that, but actually creating a comfortable space that's warm and uh, um, it has its own energy. Plus the location, you wake up in the morning, there's freaking wedgetail eagles flying above you that live on site and wombats and kangaroos running around. And it's just got a real, and it's off the grid, man. You can't come in and plug your hairdryer in, you'll freaking ruin the batteries or the, the inverter will just shut off, so it's sort of really designed for people just to come and chill. Mm. Um, it's gone. It's gone. It's well exceeded our business plan. Put it that way. Well, so, so if we go back a little bit and and bring up, you know, the shirt that you're wearing. So, like, obviously, by the way, context for everyone who's listening, we run events as well, and Benny's come to a couple of them. For you, what was? Uh, where should we start? Let's start with abundant first, then we'll go to uncommon. So, abundance day two. How would you describe abundant? Like, what was it for you? It was a lesson. It was it was a learning lesson. It was a tool to put in the box to keep, you know, it was a tool that I was missing really. And it reinforced some of the ideas that I had, but self-doubt can creep in when they're your ideas. You can go, oh, oh, maybe that's not going to be right or this is not going to work or just things like that can happen. And when I heard Grant talk and yourself and then Steve, I went, oh, hang on a minute. All this stuff that I've been telling myself for ages is true. My truth is shared. That's some shared by some other people that that's their truth as well. It's like, oh, you're right, I'm on the right path. It was a bit of a reinforcing session, but the lesson from um, with debt, like I've got big balls. 
So I'd all, and I was, I'm willing to put him on the line, you know, like I'm, I've rolled the dice, so to speak, and I'm not afraid to, to, to lose if, as long as I'm trying. And when Grant was talking about the debt and not to, my parents were like, oh, you got to be debt free, you know, you got to be debt free and you don't want to have, you want to have own everything that you've got and all this sort of stuff. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, that's not that bad now. And it was really nice hearing it from Grant and how you leverage it and you, the way you can work with your tax and stuff like that. So it was a really good personal wealth session, but also the communication. I'd done the NLP course, oh, shit, must have been 2009, February 2019. So when Steve started talking about different ways of approaching thinking and questions to ask, ask yourself this question, ask that person that question, it, it sort of brought back um, the NLP stuff, which is which was really difficult because I'd done the first four days of that course and I went home and I was married at the time and shortly thereafter I wasn't married, put it that way. <laughs> yeah, no, it was like the NLP was powerful because this woman just was not a very good communicator. She was just a statement maker and and um, it was good to touch back on the NLP, but, yeah, and being surrounded by people that were, were trying to better themselves as well was, was a really great thing to do. Well, so when we run abundant, we've got thirty awesome dudes in a room, and you've got guys who are who are going from you know starting out their journey of really creating a fuckload of wealth, dudes who are you know doing hundred million dollar deals. What was it like for you to be just surrounded by a bunch of dudes who are all moving in the same direction, but at very different stages? Yeah, it was interesting. Um, it was good. It was good. Some of it completely irrelevant, like the the people but relevant in the sense that they're there and they're having a crack. But to be honest, I was really all about myself for a change. I was like, this is my time now. I've fucking had 21 different guys live in my home since I was 21 years old. I'm 38, man. I've taken fucking people off the streets. I've given them homes. I've given them jobs. I've fed them. And I've thought, fuck this. I'm over this. This is my time now. So I was there for me. It was cool hanging out with these other guys, but, as you know, when Grant was up, I had a fair few questions, man. I was just going bang. I, I don't. I'm not for taking notes too much, and I've got a fucking notepad half full. I learned a lot, and it was that was that was like I don't want to sound selfish or or arrogant, but man, that the abundance was about me. I was like, I'm coming here. I'm going to take everything I can from this, and I'm going to put it into practice, and that's what I've done. So since then. And with your talks about summit and that, and I'm like, well, what the fuck is my summit? What am I doing? So I just sort of reverse engineer and I'm like, well, what do I like doing and what what is my golden goose? And then I thought, well, actually, I've got more than one golden goose. What, what's wrong with having a few of those fuckers, you know? So can I just translate for a sec for everyone listening? So first of all, when we're talking about a summit, a summit's like where, where you want to be, what you want to achieve. So if you say, I'm right here down at the bottom of the mountain, this is the top, this is where I want to be, that's your summit. And your summit's like, it's divided up into really four things, health, wealth, relationship, and spirituality. What we do is we start at the summit, start at the very top, map out exactly what we want to do, and then we reverse engineer after that. And then the golden goose that Ben is referring to is your money maker. It's your income generator. It comes from, you know, I stole, I stole it from someone else. Um, and, and they're using it as an analogy for like the, for the nursery rhyme where, you know, in the nursery rhyme, the golden goose lays the golden egg. If you look after the golden goose, it continues laying golden eggs. Whereas if you're a dummy, you neglect the golden goose and then it stops laying you golden eggs and then it dies and you lose everything. Right. Mm. Uh, and so what we're doing is we're tr- creating, uh, uh, having a big wealthy, uh, business or investment, which continually churns out small amounts of gold for you continually over the years. And it grows in value as well over time. Uh, mm-hmm. So they're the two things that Benny's referring to, to, to there. But so for you, what, what are you like, how did that, how did abundant change your perception around the golden goose and, and, and what you're going to be doing with it? Man, well, one of the things that you said really resonated, I wrote it down and it was um, don't double down on weaknesses. And I'm like, fuck, I don't have to be good at everything. I'm good at a lot of things, so fuck it. I, I don't need it. Like, all right, let's just hone in on what I'm doing. What it really did, the abundance session made me think about what actually do am I really good at and what makes money? What can I focus on to make the money? Then I can pay the professionals to do the other stuff to make more money, you know? 
get that team, as Grant said, build the team, number six on the wealth concepts. I started thinking about it and I went, well, I've done the numbers. So a couple of buses in the Ebden Street, man, that's more money than I could spend. Like, oh, I probably could spend it, but I'd have a nasty habit. Um, <laughs> and I'm not going back there, you know. I'm not going back there. I've, I've been clean now. I look, and nothing, man. I haven't had any drugs in six months. That's a big Congrats, thing man. for me. Man, that's a, that's a really big thing for me because, like, I'd um, I'd been using drugs since I was 12 years old, maybe 11. I think I started smoking dope when I was 11, you know. So that was a big thing for me, and it's great. I'm feeling really good about it. But, um, yeah, the uh, I looked at the investments that I've already got. You know, I've got this wicked house that's sort of architectural, eco-sustainable, energy-efficient, beautiful masterpiece sort of thing that I've just got to do a few tweaks on. Um, and that's going to turn over a nice bit of dough. And, and then I've got the bus and I've got another bus half done that's been sitting there for 12 months. That I've, I've got all the materials for it now, you know, like it's it's time to do those things. And plus I've got a loving, beautiful partner that is a genius. Like she's she makes more money than I ever could make, I reckon. Well, maybe not, but... She makes heaps, plenty of money, and she loves me that much. She said, I, I'm, "I think you're the most deserving person to have a gap year." So Tess is going to take care of me, which is like, "Fuck!" I don't know how to take that. That's really. a keeper, man. Man, a year. She said, "I think you're the most deserving person to have a gap year." I'm like, "What is a gap year? It's like when you can do whatever you want for a whole year." I'm like, oh, sweet. So yeah. I want to take that up, but I, I like to be busy. But I've, I, and at the same time, I've. Let go of an employee that had had and he'd been working alongside me and for me for the last five years, but with me for the last sort of 10 or 12 years. And it was someone that I deemed to be, you know, one of my best mates. When I was 15, I met him and my brother just died in a car accident. And he could see that I was really sad to meet him at TAFE when I was doing my apprenticeship. He said, What's wrong with you? And I said, Oh, fuck, my brother just died like a month or so ago. And he put his arm around my shoulder and said, oh, well, I've got two other brothers. They're fuck-ups, but you can have them and we're going to adopt you. And took me up to Launces and he adopted me. And and I just loved him the bits, man, and just thought, fucking hell, what a legend. But then I look back over the years that we've been friends now and I think, fucking hell, it, it sort of come to me a few weeks ago and I went, geez, you not, have not been a good friend to me, especially since you've been my employee. I've really looked after you and I just had to let him go. Which was the tough one. That was that was a really tough thing to do. And I, another friend just recently, I had to let him go out of my life too. And fuck, man, that that hurt. Someone that I'd grown up with, and then I just went, nah, fuck these guys. They're just they're, they're having a lend to me, and it was making me angry. And you know, I was I was biting my tongue instead of saying, hey, fuck you. And um, yeah, that was sort of getting me down a bit. And the construction business, I, look, I've, my ego got the better of me about. 2004 or 2015 2016 i had a business partner then he was um he was my apprentice to start off with and then i made him a business partner and just wanted to be the best builder so we're building these wicked homes but the houses were costing us money we ended up i wasn't doing the books he was taking care of the books and stuff i was too busy fucking running around wanking off over the best on the best on the best builder here ego 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 and um it went up 300 grand in debt and didn't have the money. I'm like, well, fuck, how'd this happen? And he said, I can't do this and left. He said he'd pay off the debt, but he didn't. He, he only paid a small portion of it. So I put me, me uh, head down and my ass up and I worked sort of 13 to 16 hours a day for six days a week. And then on Sunday, I'd go to the Kingdom Hall and I'd pray or listen to the public talk that was on Spales. I was um, studying the scriptures at the time, which helped me helped me through a lot. But um, sort of worked me way out of this debt hole and everyone's saying, just go bankrupt, go bankrupt, just fold the company up, who cares? I'm like, no fucking way. I'm not going to do this. And it took me 18 months. I paid $220,000 off in 18 months. But what it did was it made me a fucking way better businessman because it put my prices up. I thought this dude that was in my life at the time, he said, you need to put your prices up to see if people actually just like you or they like you because you're cheap. So I put my prices up by 40% back then and they still wanted my work, you know. So, well, they like me. So no worries. And then I went really hard at it. 
But what it did was, it, it, this is just before I contacted you, and it sort of, I'd got onto the cusp of burning out. I don't know how far and how hard I'd have to work before I'd fucking burn out. It must be a long way. But I might have been on the cusp, I think, because I wasn't thinking too good and I wasn't feeling too good. And I sort of, that sort of left the construction industry with a bad taste in my mouth. Imagine working for frigging all that hard work and you, that 220, 230 grand, that, that should have been in my pocket, you know? Yeah, it went think, to someone else, totally. Yeah, it went to someone else and that sort of stuff. So the construction industry, I, I, I still love it. Like I've done some cool shit today, putting up a suspended concrete slab. I had to lift the steel up with me backer. I've got a wicked backer that I bought, the one I mentioned before about getting the firewood. So I floated it down to these people's house because I really like these people. And I said, look, just I'll use my machine down here. You don't need an excavator operator and, and the expense of that. We'll just use this machine. And it's a wicked machine. But we're doing some some cool stuff and I've sort of I don't want to put the tools down yet like it's it's funny it, I just really enjoy making cool stuff like um but I would like to do it a whole lot less and for a whole lot more money mm. <laughs> you know or just doing even just making gifts for people I'll say hey James I'm going to send you over a gift oh what is it it's a fucking custom made octub <laughs> you know stuff you, like you that. just give me an idea for next abundant mm. yeah so um, the construction industry has been good to me, I guess, in a way. And, like, I'm glad I didn't go bankrupt. There's all, like, 60 acres of heaven up here, on, you know? Yeah. And I've, I've created a, a golden goose. Well, not I have. Tess and I created a golden goose down here with the bus. We've got a second bus that's um, it's a month's worth of work away, man. It's just a matter of going, hey, I'm not going to take any more work on, which I haven't. I've only got a couple of the jobs that I've quoted, and I'm like, well, focus on getting – the Ebden Street Ranch on the Airbnb. Setting boundaries. I love that, man. That's one of the things that most dudes are fucking terrible at. I mean, if we go through and we analyze like what you've been doing recently over the last couple of months, having to unfortunately cut out friends who weren't really friends to you and making the hard decisions there, saying when enough is enough, actually setting your boundaries and being able to prioritize your work. I mean, that's the most incredible stuff. I've been studying a lot on something called essentialism, which is, you know, how we all have this bullshit idea that we can do everything. You know, you were talking about before, we don't need to just make our weaknesses better. Just focus on your strengths. We have this idea we can't have a weakness. We need to do it everything. We need to do it all. When in reality, it's bullshit. You're much better doing fewer things but doing them way, way better and, mm. and, and doing them perfectly. Because if we do that, we'll end up getting far, far greater results, which is massive. I guess one thing I, I love to chat with you on and, and look at is you know, we chatted two and, a, two and a bit years ago, um, you know, February 2020. How are you different now to where you were back then? Oh, man, I'm a different person. How so? I track my health, dude. I've got a ring on that tells me how much sleep, how many Ks I've done, you know. I've got this thing on here. Like, I never would have put this on unless you recommended it. Um, I sleep good. I focus on my health. I've, you know, cut some of the really bad or most of the bad shit. I don't drink alcohol hardly ever. I don't take drugs now very often, you know. Like, it's... All the things that I essentially done a lot of. When I first started with JCF, man, I was still fucking smashing the coke and the fets and fucking ket and whatever. You know, I was into it for a little bit. But then I went, oh, hang on. And then you hooked me up with the supplement regime. First of all, I was like, oh, fuck, 300 bucks a month, uh, you know, this and then that. And I'm like, oh, well, something resonated. My health is my wealth, you know. Like I could be, I can be unhappy for a fucking short period or a long period of time, then I could be unhealthy for a short period or a long period of time. So I decided, well, I just want to be fucking happy every day. Um, I don't want to let shit stress me out. And I used to have a wicked temper, like someone, fuck, man, like I'd just go off, you know. Like not, it wasn't short, but I'd let all this stuff build up. I'm thinking this is super unhealthy. Like I need to get some control over this, and that's where Christian and yourself – I'm watching the videos, and one thing I remember, I used to love the group calls that you've done. And we're talking all them dudes, man, I miss that. I miss that. We'd have that chat every Thursday or Tuesday, I think it was. There's a plan like, to bring him back, don't you worry. Yeah, man, let's get that back on. I'm in on that. Like I, that, was, that was a bit of a community thing for me then. Like, I could listen to other people's stuff going on, but getting back to your question, how am I different now? I'm way more focused, a much better partner. I'm a much better communicator. I'm more loving. 
Um, what else am I? What's different? What is different? I'm fucking 90 kilos, dude. That's different. Yeah. Like I hadn't come down below 100 kilos for years, man, for years and years. And I was still fighting at 100 and something. I was, I was, you know, I'm that far off six foot. Like I'm four centimeters away from being six foot. But at 114 kilos, the Pacific champions is a fat white belt. Man, I was fighting dudes that were fit at 130 kilos and 18, 19, 20-year-old guys because I was like, now I could go and compete. I'm fucking, I'm in a couple of weight divisions down. I'm like, fuck, oh, now he's in trouble. Yeah, so that's a you big know, difference. My the biggest change, life, the biggest change I'm, if I can interrupt, the biggest yeah. change I've noticed in you, I know you're going to say your sex life, that's always a good one to cover. But, you know, the biggest thing I've, I've noticed in you is your level of leadership. Like, I don't know if you've noticed it, but the way that you lead around guys and the way you're able to actually motivate those around you, that has probably been the biggest change that I've noticed since we've been working with you and the direction and, and the trajectory at which you're going. It's like everything you do right now, you're doing it on double speed. You might be doing less things, but everything that you're doing, you're getting it done faster and you're getting it done way better. You know, Huntington, you, you, your bus is a testament to that. I mean, fuck, seriously, where else gets booked out every single night for what, eight months? It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, man, well, look, that definitely, uh, I reckon it's got a lot to do with the way I can think clearer now, you know. I'm not, I'm healthy, you know, I'm fit. I'm not waking up. I'm about to have bed at 5 o'clock in the morning. I'm, fuck, man, I woke up the other day, it was 3 o'clock in the morning, I was ready to go to work. I'm like, what the fuck? Because I've been going to bed at a, a regular time, man, you know. I, I turn my phone on to freaking airplane mode. I don't have Facebook on my phone anymore, you know. I Barely check it out, you know. I might spend 10 or 15 minutes a day. I was spending eight hours a day. And I was working fucking 12 hours a day. So I was slipping it in between, having a crap going. I was looking at it on the fucking on the on the way to work in the in the cars. Like, oh, this is bullshit. So I'm way more focused. And yeah, my leadership, like and my, I can motivate people. I'm, I'm just lucky, man. My old man's a legend. Like, he got named the 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 coach of the century. And the Oaklands District Football Association. Now, for those people that don't know what the Oaklands District Football Association is, it's probably one of the toughest, hardest played football in Australia, AFL, and that's country football. Champions have come out of the country football, but, man, people used to go up and play country football because it was fucking like you could have a fight and not go to jail for it. It was full on. And Dad got named the coach of the century up there like he he coached 13 grand finals and played in 18 grand finals. But I grew up as a kid around that and watched him, and he could just motivate people to do the most insane shit ever. Like I remember once there's a guy named Brett Ball, and they were playing against Oatlands, and there was a dude that he ended up playing football for the old man, this guy that was, he was playing against at the time. And before the game started, Dad pulled Brett aside and said, Brett, you've got one job to do today. And they said, yeah, what's that, Bear? What's that? So today, when I sing out now, Brett, you've got to turn around and you've got to punch David Ayers in the face as hard as you can that he cannot continue the game. The first bounce of the ball, the old man sang out, now, Brett, I'm sitting in the James Box. Sorry, Brett, ball's just gone. Bang, punch David Ayers. Rock, his name was Rock. He was a champion. Like he was a leading goal kicker in the association for like five years straight, right? He laid Rock out, couldn't go back on. They got an ambulance there or some shit, you know, and took off. Brett Balls just ran off the ground and ran into the freaking the change rooms. Dad's fucking gone in after him. So me as a kid, I've fallen him in. What's going on? Brett's there crying. He's, he's crying. Dad said, what the fuck's going on, Brett? He said, Bill, I've never done anything like that in my life, man. That's all. You've done a good job. Stay there. <laughs> So I grew up around this sort of stuff and, you know, just they won, I think they held a record for, they are called the Ross Army. It was Ross where I grew up. They, they won back-to-back premierships in 92 and 93 and they didn't lose a game for two seasons. And on the, um, and I was playing under 16 football at 10 years old and we won in 1992 and 1993. Dad was coaching us as well. And, at the 93 grand final, what he did was he got his team, he said, come on, we're going out the field early. Got out in the field and then he instructed and said, right, 
I want you to line up on either side of the runway where the guys come out and it was they were playing Kempton and Kempton were these rough, they were maniacs too. I was all full on. There was plenty of drug users that run around high on amphetamines and charging around and you know having a taste and bloody half time. They've run out onto the ground and what Dad what did he line them up on either side of whether they ran at his team, Ross team, and we clapped him onto the field. And as the boats were running out, all pumped up. You could see on their faces that their face just they're looking at two rows of men that they're about to go to to play against, go to war with basically at a grand final. It was a big thing. Like there used to be five or six thousand people at Oaklands to go to the freaking grand finals, man. It was a big thing. So they've clapped them onto the ground and just psychologically it just twisted the dudes' heads. The 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 Kempton guys just went to shit. They didn't know what was going on. They'd never been clapped on the ground for it. They'd never been seen before in freaking Oakland's Football Association. And the umpire came over and said, Greg, you can't do this. He says, nowhere in the rule books that you can't do this. We're clapping. I want to congratulate them getting this far. Piss off. And the, two, the, the, the umpire left and went, but then they just absolutely annihilated them. And it was, it was really in, inspirational. And, like, I've got stories like that for days, man. Dad, yeah, You've got a story or two, that's for he's, sure. He's done some... Dad was just a legend, man. So growing up with him, he could motivate me and my brother to do all sorts of awesome shit and bad shit if we had to. And um, he could talk, he could walk the walk as well. He's a beast. But um, that yeah. power of communication is something, man. And I think the leadership is one of the most important attributes that a man can have because a man, like as a man, no matter what you are, what you do, you always end up having to go into that position of leadership because it's who we are, either within your family or within your crew, within your business. You always end up that way. But, man, I've been really stoked that we've been able to have you on this journey because, fuck, it's been a wild one. And I would love to get you on the potty again in about six or 12 months and see how many of these golden geese you've got running around, these little cash I'm cows. Have a little flock going, brother. This little flock. Yeah, and then I'll probably have a whole lot more time and do other things, and I reckon there'll be a fair few, fire, a ton of firewood given away. And, um, uh, mate, the boys at JCF, we're, we're going to be doing some really cool shit, really, really cool shit. Um, I'm excited because you see everyone. I was just talking with Kevin before. Um, Kevin Timms. Uh, I interviewed him the other day as well. Mate, he's going up. He's doing some big stuff. Marcus Norton, he's doing some big stuff. All the boys are doing massive things. Alan Temby, like all these guys are absolutely dominating. It's a cool crew. But, dude, thank you so much for coming on, man, because we'll, we'll wrap it up there. But, dude, I loved having you on. I love the stories. I love, I love your story and what you're doing. And I'm very grateful, as is Christian, to have you as a part of this crew. Thanks, brother. I love you guys too, man. Love you, brother. Love you too, man. You have a great night and uh, all the best with the baby, eh? Thanks, bro. I'm pumped for that, eh? It's unreal. Oh, man, it's going to blow your mind. I'll tell you what, I don't think you're ready. Oh, well, I think, no, I'm not going to say that, but it's just going to snap you out. I'm ready, bro. I'm as ready as I'll ever be. Man, I'll tell you what, when my son was born, I wanted to name him Ruben just before I wrap it up. I was definitely going to name him Ruben. Anyway, I watched his mother give birth to him. I said, you can fucking name him whatever you like. (laughs) (laughs) What a way to end. Uh, Thanks for coming on, bro. Uh, Man, my pleasure. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the video. If you got something out of it and you want to learn more, click the link below or type in High Performance Conversations with James Can, and you'll be able to check out all the podcasts that we've done. We cover a stack of different topics, everything from getting your mojo back, overcoming anxiety, self-doubt, self-esteem, and learning from some of the industries and some of the world's top performers in both business and in health. Look forward to having you on there.